0: is Hebrew Hits presented by jtriberadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Since episode of Hebrew Hits, I am so excited to introduce my guest today. Before I get there, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Malia. And if you do not already follow Hebrew Hits on Instagram and Facebook, go follow us at Hebrew underscore hits. We are now available on YouTube at Hebrew Hits Radio and go subscribe on all your favorite streaming apps. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere. Go follow us. Well, right now, I am going to introduce our guest. This guest has never told his story ever in public before. It is an American boy who went to Israel and actually experienced a terrorist attack, and he has never, ever spoken in public about this attack. Let me introduce him. Here is Shai Rosalinsky. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. So I know that you have this untold story, right, with this terrorist attack, and you still never told me the story, so I'm so excited to hear it. What I want to get into is I want to hear, yes, about your terrorist attack, but I want to, it to lead up to that. So first, tell me about where you grew up, how your life was before this incident and this tragic experience that you experienced.
1: OK, no problem. Uh, so I live in Teaneck, New Jersey. Most of you have probably heard of it. Um, ever since I was three years old, I've always been playing sports, whether it was the recreational baseball league, basketball, hockey, soccer. I'm never football. Israel was the first time I actually started playing football in like real leagues. Um, But I've always, every year I played at least baseball and soccer, sometimes basketball, hockey. Um, Ever since I was three, like my neighbors still come up to me to this day. And they're like, Oh, were you that three-year-old who were, who was like hitting baseballs over the roof? Like I was that little redhead, little guy just like swinging away, hitting baseball or tennis balls over the roof. Um, So that's what they know me as. And I've always played sports. I've always been athletic, thank God. I've always loved, you know, being active. Um, So I've always played sports. And until this incident, I've never gotten hurt doing it.
0: So I first want to ask you, who got you into sports when you were three years old? Do you have older brothers? Was it a father, an uncle?
1: So... My father, he's always been, like, our coach. He did a great job. You know, he's one of those, though. He doesn't want to show favoritism. So he's not going to, like, have us pitch and baseball and bat first. Like, he's going to try and split it up just to make it, like, the other parents not so mad. Um, but, yeah, he definitely got us into it. But my, I have two older brothers who also played in these leagues, baseball, basketball. I think I was a little more active than they were. That three-year-old who were who was, like, hitting baseballs over the roof, like, I was that little redhead little guy just like swinging away, hitting baseball or tennis balls over the roof. So that's what they know me as. And I've always played sports. I've always been athletic, thank God. I've always loved, you know, being active. And until this incident, I've never gotten hurt doing it.
0: So I first want to ask you, who got you into sports when you were three years old? Do you have older brothers? Was it a father, an uncle?
1: So- my father, he's always been, like, our coach. He did a great job. You know, he's one of those, though. He doesn't want to show favoritism. So he's not going to, like, have us pitch in baseball and bat first. Like, he's going to try and split it up just to make it, like, the other parents not so mad. Um, but, yeah, he definitely got us into it. But my, I have two older brothers who also played in these leagues, baseball, basketball. I think I was a little more active than they were. But that's just because I had more friends who were into these sports. So I had, I guess more of the opportunity to really join these different leagues and different recreational leagues. So that I definitely was fortunate. And I really got, which
0: has been your favorite sport that you've played.
1: I want to say baseball only because I play it like every year. Like that's how I got through the school year. Everyone needs that like thing to really look forward to that activity. So -hmm. like baseball was it for me most of my life. And then when I got eight, nine, 10, I started playing basketball, hockey, TBC junior hockey. I don't know how many people have heard of it and different leagues as well. But baseball, I would have to say is definitely my favorite.
0: And how many leagues have you played in your life?
1: Oh, a lot. i played every year. It was like TBO, Teenage Baseball Organization. I played in basketball, Mitch Gross Basketball League. And then I played on my middle school's basketball team, my high school's baseball, softball, hockey, track teams.
0: So your life growing up was easy. You played some sports, hung out with your family, your siblings, your friends. There was nothing when you were growing up before you went to Israel that struck you as like that made an impact in your life. Like, seriously, right? It was easy. You had a young, easy childhood.
1: Thank God. I can't complain. I was very privileged to be in all these sport leagues, but I don't think anything came out, anything really stood out to me. Everything was great. We were playing sports, you know, first inning, ninth inning, games over, leagues over. Okay, wait till next season. Like, nothing so dramatic or traumatizing happened throughout my Little League experiences.
0: And you've never played in Little League football until you got to Israel, correct?
1: Yeah, because you know Jewish mothers... Oh, they don't want you touching. They don't want you joining a league. Like, no.
0: Now your mom must not want you to play football at all after your experience.
1: Well, honestly, nobody knows what really happened. Like, Uh I will get to that. They still don't know to this day what really happened. Because if they knew what really Uh happened, they would have sent me home right away. Like, it would have been over. My Israel experience is over. They wouldn't let me leave the house.
0: Wow. So let's start getting into the story a little bit. Right now, you know, you're a young kid, fresh out of high school. Did you go to summer camp in between Israel and graduating high school?
1: Yeah. I went to Camp Kaylee for the first half and then helped my brother out with his travel camp the second half.
0: So you went to camp. You're excited for this new experience. You're going to Israel. So what was it like? First of all, what yeshiva did you go to? And yeshiva is what school abroad did you go to study in? And um, when did you leave? Did you leave in August, September? What what time of the year was it?
1: So I went to Yeshivat Mivaseret. It's an American yeshiva. All the guys there are from America, with an exception of like two to three guys. They're from Florida, California, you know, Chicago, New Jersey, New York, all over the place.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so it's called Yeshivat Mivaseret. That was my broad, my school abroad. Um, thank God, everybody there was supportive. Not everybody there knows what happened. Only a couple of my close friends really were like there by my side the entire time um but thank god it was a great experience i just came back from shana bet for my second year abroad um so i was really there end of 2018 to the end of 2019 through march of 2020 so wow. i really got back right when the pandemic hit so i was i really liked out it was it was like i didn't leave early because of the pandemic like i was supposed to leave then also a lot of my friends unfortunately had to come home early mm-hmm. uh but so i really lucked that regarding the timing. But the first year, I also played in a, a football league. It wasn't tackle. It was just flag. Nothing happened there. And then the yeah. second year is really when um, everything went crazy.
0: When you got on the plane, how are you thinking you were going to grow and your experience was going to be?
1: So first year, I didn't really know what to expect. I was kind of nervous, though, like to be abroad, mm-hmm. like, well, firstly, I thought I was going to, like, forget all the math and science. Like, <laughs> I was thinking, like, when I come back from Israel and I start college, university, I'm going to forget everything. Like, that was, like, in my mind the entire time. Uh, Thank God that didn't happen. Uh, But it was just, I was just really concerned and nervous to really go abroad. I was with friends. Like, I knew a bunch of people going. So I knew it would end up being good. But, like, this experience, it was new to me. I've always lived at home. I never really had to dorm for a long period of time. I did during the summers, but Mm. not for months at a time. So I was nervous regarding that. Um, I didn't even know I was going to be playing football when I got on that plane. So that was obviously, I guess you just live and you go and you learn, but, um, so thank God, thank God.
0: Before we get to actually hearing your story, can we, can you explain to our listeners what it means to get on a plane and say, you're going away for a year. You're literally, you're an American child. America was, is your life. You've lived there your whole life. And all of a sudden you're picking up, going to a new country. You don't know the language and you're going to live there for a full year.
1: Yeah, so it's definitely different. It's definitely not easy. Um, and just like most things, it's the anticipation that's really, that's really scary. Like once you get there, you'll be like, fine, because you'll like know people, you'll meet new incredible people from all over the world. So it's exciting, you learn a new language. Um, but it, uh, as I said, it was a little nervous. But once I got there, um, I was hanging out Thursday nights. Like we went away for the weekends with people Thursday nights. We were hanging out. We were going to town, visiting people. We knew from different schools and yeshivas from all over Israel. So like, we really, it, you never felt like you were alone. You never felt like you were in an unknown country with no, not knowing anybody. Like everyone there was friendly for the most part, everybody there, <laughs> everybody <laughs> there was like come and there for you. And if you need help, there are so many people you could go to. I went to people from my school from a different school just to talk and so thank god it's scary at first because of the anticipation but once you get there you'll not you won't want to leave like I didn't want to leave
0: Is Miva Sarat that Yeshiva that that other American boy was killed in Ezra Schwartz or no
1: No I think he if I'm not mistaken I think he was in Gush he was in mm-hmm. Gush when he got killed I also think he went to Yeshiva at Har Tzion, Yeshiva at Gush it's another Yeshiva okay.
0: I remember when that story happened and that was everybody knew about it and it was so blown up and and everybody was talking about it. Now as your story, it has never been told before. So I'm excited to hear your story for the first time and and share your story on my platform. So let's start. You were in Israel your first year and it was, how did that go? It was good. No, no traumatic experiences.
1: Um, Nope. It went well. I was doing a lot of things. I was keeping myself busy. I was learning a lot, making incredible relationships. I volunteered. There's an organization there called Shalva. That's a special needs organization. I went there every Tuesday during my chesed, during my charity day. And I spent the time with the kids. Um, every Friday, I was in this football league, this flag, American football league, with other yeshivas. We had like the MEVS team, you know, the Seret team. Um, mm-hmm. And we just competed. It was fun. It was enjoyable. You met new people. So Shana, the first year, Shana Aleph, it was just an incredible experience. I wouldn't say anything was so traumatic about it, thank God. Um, but they, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible.
0: And then you came home for the summer, you went to camp and then you decided to go back for another half a year.
1: Yeah. So I actually went back for Pesach. I went okay. to Poland. Miva took us to Poland for a week. Then I came back for Pesach. Um, and then after Pesach, I went back for the last like five, six weeks. Then I came back for the summer. I did camp. Everything was normal. Um, I knew deep down I was going a second year. I kept telling my friends, now nah, I'm going to college next year. I'm not coming back a second year. <laughs> of course, they were all like, you're going back. Like You're the type. You're going back. So, of course, I ended up going back, and the rest is history.
0: Do you wish that you would not have gone back to Israel because then you would not have, ex- have experienced that oh. terrorist attack, which we are going to get to?
1: No. I'm thankful that I went because I, I try to look at all my experiences. And I try to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Some experience are smaller than others, some are bigger than others, but I don't regret going there. Maybe if it didn't end so like but if, if it didn't end so well for me, I guess you could say, so to speak, then I right. guess I would regret it, but thank God, I, as far as I know, I'm fine. So I mean, I try to look back and reflect and see what I could learn from it. It's hard mm-hmm. to really pinpoint it. But yeah, if I had to choose again knowing this would happen, um, obviously I would have my eye out because I would expect it, but I definitely would do it again for sure.
0: Really? So let's start talking about your story. You're going back fresh, second year. You're going abroad, and you're going to study and learn and grow. And you had a great time the first year. So you go back the second year, you're with your roommates. When did you decide to go into this specific league that you ended up going into? And what is that league called?
1: Yeah. So honestly, I don't know the name of that league. I really don't. Um, But it all started, I was playing the same football league I played in the first year, Shana Aleph. It's called AFI. Um, it was just, like, a lot of the Yeshiva guys. I was once I was the captain of the MEVS team the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, I was playing with a lot of friends. Like, it was actually after the first game where the story really begins. Uh, but it was the same league. I only played one game, as you could probably imagine, after what I started. <laughs> but it was the same football league, Aleph, just a different team. Because, like, some guys came back. Some people went to college after the first year. So it was a different team. A lot of new first-year students. I was a second-year student at this point. So I was playing with a lot of first year or freshmen, so to speak, Um, Mm -hmm. but it was great. They were all incredible people, Uh, but it really started after the first game. Um, How it works is there's two halves and each half is a game. So instead of there being a halftime and there being only one game, like the whole game with a half, each half is a game. So that means you play two games every week.
0: That's what I wanted to ask you before we get into your story. What is the difference between American football and playing football abroad in a new country in Israel. Are there any differences? So you're saying one difference is that it's a half. It's not innings. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I would, I, I don't
0: even it's think
1: in American f- football and Israeli football. Cause this is just the way the league worked. A lot of them, a lot of us were American students. A lot of them were Americans who made Aliyah. So a lot of this is just how the league worked, how it worked in halves. So it wasn't like this is, was the Israeli style. This is just how the league worked. Cause they wanted to get more games in and, they wanted you to, like, be able to start fresh. Like, if you were down 45 nothing at the end of half, you could start fresh. Like, I think that was one reason behind it. But I wouldn't say this was, like, Israeli football. I would just say this is the way the league operated, um, which right. I, I thought it was great. At first, I was a little skeptical, but I thought it worked out perfectly. Um, yeah.
0: So are there any other differences, or that's the major difference?
1: So I would say that is the major difference. It, there weren't a lot of Israelis. There were some Israeli teams that, like, only spoke Hebrew. So they were mm-hmm. Israelis. Um, I don't know, like, those specific teams because they weren't in my division. I just remember watching them. Um, it, there were games on Friday and Saturday night, and we played on Fridays. And so we played with a lot of our friends from other yeshivas, from other schools. Like, there was a school called Rashi, Orita, Shraga, so, like, mm-hmm. from all over the place. So it was fun to play with them. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't really say there's a big difference between American football and Israeli football.
0: Let's talk from the beginning of your story. You start, you know, on your, your football league. Tell me what happens after that. You're playing the game.
1: So I was playing in the AFI. It was a regular game. We won the second, we tied the first game, won the second game. Remember it was halves. So the first half we tied second half, we won. Um, and then I was, I was putting my cleats away. I was taking off my tights. I was getting ready to go. I was getting ready to leave. And this guy just called me. And I looked around and there was like this bigger guy. And I was like, kind of, I was a little nervous at first, but he was like this bigger guy. And he and like I walked over to him. He was calling my name. At first, I didn't know if he was talking to me. I was like looking around like, is there another shy around here? Like, <laughs> then he kept pointing to me. So I was like, OK, I guess it's me. Um, so then I went over there and he said, have you ever played tackle football before? And I'm like, I played with my friends sometimes, not really in a league. He's like, how would you feel about joining, joining a Tiger Football League? So at first I was a little skeptical because I didn't really know, like, none of my friends were there. Who would I be playing with? Who would I be playing against? Terrorism was not on my mind at this point. It was just like, I would want to play, but is it, like, worth it? Like, what the time commitment, stuff like that. Um, so then he knew, he saw I was skeptical because I was a little, like, shaking. Um, and then he gave me a, a playbook, 400 plays. He's like, if you remember these four hundred plays by our practice on Tuesday, you're on the team. But if you don't come to the practice, then it's as if we never talked and don't worry about it. Okay.
0: And this was not an Israeli guy?
1: Um, I don't know. He spoke pretty good English. I don't know like his background.
0: I'm saying Jewish or, or non Jewish. Like was he what where events that you were in? Jewish. He's not Jewish because this was a you were originally in a yeshiva league where all the boys schools would compete. But this was completely not not from that league
1: at all. Yeah, something totally on. I guess I don't know why he was there to recruit. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, he, yeah, he didn't look too Jewish. He wasn't too Jewish. Um, So I had like I had a decision to make. You know, I had four days to memorize 400 plays. I was going to talk to my Rebbe and my professors, you know, my friends. Um, And that's obviously what I had to do. Um, so it wasn't like a yes or no decision on the spot.
0: So what happened? Did you, you're, you're leaving me here. Like, hello, did you memorize the play? Um, so I was
1: talking, there was a specific rabbi. I'm not going to name him cause I didn't get permission to name him, but there was a specific mm-hmm. professor rabbi I spoke to in my, who's part of my program, part of my gap year program. And he basically told me for lack of better words, He's like, do not play. And if you play, I will have zero Rachmanis. I will have zero pity on you. Like he wow. tackle and me, he was like, look, you're small. You're Jewish. You're like, I don't know who you're playing against, but it, I can't imagine them all being smaller than you. Cause I'm not the biggest guy. Like I'm five, nine, 165 pounds. I was competing with guys who were like six four, three hundred 300 pounds, like, So it was like, he was like, don't play. It's just, you'd be, you would be silly if you play. That's basically what my friends told me. Um, Just different terminology, of course. And all of my different professors I asked and Rebaim and Majichim, advisors, they all told me the same thing.
0: And did you listen?
1: No. Oh, man. I didn't listen. Why I didn't listen, it's beyond me. I don't know why I didn't listen. I guess I was just caught in the moment and like the thought of a tackle football league was like, I didn't care what they said. I would be great. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so I memorized the 400 plays and I went to the first practice. Uh, The first practice was nice. And at this point, um, I didn't know, but I was the only Jew in the entire league. Religious. I was the only Jew, like the Jewish person.
0: In the league, not only the team.
1: Yeah, not only the team, the entire league. I was the only Jew like playing. I didn't know that. Do you that know
0: hit. why? Do you know why they specifically came to you?
1: I don't know. I mean, I remember I like, I felt good after that, like AFI game after that one game, I felt good. Like, I feel like I played well. I had a few mm-hmm. touchdowns, a few interceptions. Like, I feel like I played well. I mean, that for me is not good. And that for me, excuse me, that is good. Cause I'm someone mm-hmm. who's like, who like, I'm very hard on myself, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to these things. Like if I get four touchdowns, I'll f- I'm sorry. I didn't get five. Like I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. So, Um, I remember feeling good after the game. So I guess he was, I don't know why he was there. I don't know if he was there just to watch or to recruit or whatever. And it it ended up being more of a recruitment only because he got me on the team.
0: Right, so Um, what happened next?
1: So then I went to the practice. Um, There were Arabs on my team. I was like chilling with them. We were friends. I didn't feel like there was any threat. I didn't really know how to... Like tell them I'm Jewish and ask them where they're from and their ethnic background. I just didn't know where to go from there. I didn't know what was appropriate because I didn't have so much familiarity with it. So I just left it at that for now. Um, so that you were
0: clear, you were clearly different. You were clearly a Jew in their eyes.
1: Meaning, I I went there with a kippa. Like I wasn't going to take my off. I'm not one of those people who's like going to a business meeting, taking off their kippa. You know, taking off the tzitzis. You know, just I'm right. just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm proud. I'm a proud Jew. It's not like I'm scared to show up that I'm Jewish. Like if they don't accept me, I could just leave. Right. Like that's what I remember thinking that as well. Like I'm Jewish. I don't know if they're Jewish. I don't know if they're not Jewish. If they're not Jewish, if they don't like me for being Jewish. That's fine. I won't judge them. I'll just leave. And that'll be it. Um, so
0: what happened after that, after you played that first game?
1: So that the first one was a practice. The one that mm-hmm. Tuesday was a practice. And then we had a couple more practices beforehand. Uh, Just keep in mind, I wasn't like ditching yeshiva or any of the studies there. It was like Tuesday was our like charity, our Chesed day, so it worked out for me. Um, But they were and you didn't
0: tell them. You didn't tell your rabbis that you were going, or your your friends.
1: Well, my brat, my rabbi, he actually told me that his brother, or brother-in-law, I forgot which one, he played tackle football and he tore his ACL twice. So he's like, you want to be like my brother? then you go play. You play in this league and then you'll see what it's like to tour an ACL. Um, Oh my gosh. I remember I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know.
0: (laughs) And you still went.
1: I still went. I don't know why I went. I look back. I'm like, why did I go? But It was a thrill. Yeah. I guess I was caught in the moment. I was like, sports, football, I got recruited. That's so cool. Let me go. So I went. We had three practices. Um, We had a couple games. Nothing happened in those games. And then there was this next game. And keep in mind, this was two weeks before Rosh Hashanah, before the high holidays started, was this game. We were playing in Tel Aviv. Um, and at this point, I knew I was the only Jew in the, on the team. I didn't know the league. I just knew the team. And then a lot of the my teammates, I was close with them. Like, I was close with them. We were chilling. And by accidently, one of my teammates told somebody on their team that I'm Jewish. Like, they were just having casual conversation, and they said, oh, you got to watch out, this little Jewish kid, he's sneaky. Like, said something like that. Um, And then, as you can probably imagine what happened next, um, that guy was actually taking me on defense. The first quarter went by. I guess he was trying to play it cool, trying to make it seem like nothing was happening. Um, So the first quarter was all right. I caught a few passes. No one tried to, you know, obliterate me or destroy me. Um, And then the second quarter came. And I remember that play like it was yesterday. I was wide receiver, which for those of you who don't really know football, I was the one who catches the ball. Like the quarterback throws the ball to me on the receiver. And then the person taking me was a cornerback, not a quarterback, a cornerback. And he was taking me. And I remember I was lining up. I had the play like memorized. I was lining up and I looked straight into my defender's eyes. And I remember the look he gave me. I At the time, I thought it was a look like he's playing competitive football. He doesn't want me to catch the ball. Like it's a competitive look. Um, it, well, that wasn't the case. So he was looking, imagine this like darker Arab guy. He was like six, three, he was like 270 pounds. Like he was a hundred pounds bigger than me. He was quick. He was like, he looked athletic. Um, going into the game, I was kind of scared to face him, but not for that reason. I just thought like, I wouldn't catch anything. I would look like a fool. Um, so long story short, he, um, I caught the ball and I ran out of bounds. You know, I, I got a few yards. I ran out of bounds cause I didn't want to get hurt. So I would say a solid five to 10 seconds later, um, I threw the ball back to the referee, you know? And then the guy, at an, I was facing one direction. The guy came from the opposite direction. He helmet-to-helmeted me. Meaning oh, my God. Beware, like a, he helmet-to-helmeted me out of nowhere. He got like 10 yards. He was just like, went at me. I was like that when he reached me. Like, I turned over to see what was going on. I flew seven to 10 yards. My helmet fell off. But the worst part is afterwards, right when I hit the ground, the guy came, my helmet fell off and the guy came up to me and he just kept cleating me in the head, like stepping (gasps) up like 10, 15, 20 times. Like he was just like banging his cleat, like cleats are sharp, especially football on, like on the head. Like I was like that. And he was like on my head 15 to 20 times. Where was your
0: team? Where was your team helping you?
1: So that's what I, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. My team, they were there was a fight. Like they did protect me. There was a fight there. But I was out. I was unconscious for like four to six minutes. I don't remember exactly how long. Four to six minutes sounds about right. Um I woke up. I remember I was in, like I was surrounded by people. Like there was a fight, like there was yelling going on. I didn't know what was happening. I knew my friends were not anti-Semitic, and I knew they would stand up for me, and they did stand up for me. But what really happened there? I'm not, I was out, so I I I don't really know exactly what happened. There. I just know there was a fight that broke out. And even when I woke up six minutes later, there was still some commotion going on. There was some yelling and freaking out. And then I remember there was like sirens. And then the next thing I remember, I was in a hospital, like in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they told me, like they told me right when I got there, right when I woke up and I gained consciousness, they were like, you're going to be okay. But quite frankly, I don't know how you're going to be okay. Because they were like cleat marks on my head. Like the guy stepped on me oh 10 God. times.
0: Why do you think he came after you? You're a little, you're saying you're little, you're small. Like he couldn't go over after somebody his own size? Or you think it was specifically because you're Jewish?
1: It was specifically because I was Jewish. Like they t- is. this is the guy they told that I was Jewish. Like this is the guy. And like he admitted it afterwards.
0: So what happened to him? Did he, did you ever press charges? I know that the story has not been told ever before, but this is a terrorist attack that you experienced And being an American, you could have taken it to all of the, you know, the media, you could have taken to the president of the United States. So what happened after you ended up in the hospital?
1: He did get arrested. So Mm -hmm. I was, I was in and out of the hospital. I wasn't dealing with this until afterwards when I was really, when I really had the headspace, but Mm -hmm. I was like in such a vulnerable state. At first, I didn't want to go anywhere alone. Like, I didn't know where I was half the time. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why was I here. Like, I was very confused. I had a stage two concussion. And for you oh, who don't man. know, third is the worst. I was like two and a half. Like, I was like all dizzy. I was like, I couldn't be alone. I kept passing out. I was in and out of the hospital. And then, my, my jichim, I remember, like, I would like hug their arm. Like, I wouldn't want to leave their sight. Like, I didn't want to go anywhere alone because I thought this guy was out to get me. Um, And the scariest part is what happens afterwards is that they, they arrested him and they interviewed him. And he was like, he has one regret about the whole situation. And this is where it like killed me. Like, this is where I was like, I was like watching my back for the next month, three months. What
0: is, so what is that one regret that he has?
1: He has one regret that I'm not dead. He regrets that he didn't kill me. And like, as an American who doesn't really experiences on a day in day out basis, it's like, I feel like someone's out to get me, especially in Israel. Um, so what happened to me, I was on bed rest for two months, meaning I couldn't leave my room. When I went to the bathroom, I had, someone had to come with me. Um, they had to bring me food. I was like, put in this dark room. I couldn't have my phone for more than 30 minutes a day. I couldn't read. I couldn't learn. I couldn't do anything. I could only why? sleep. Three months. Why
0: was that so important to, when to you be like, like that?
1: In, you don't want to look at a screen. Screen time could be really bad. That's why, like you couldn't have a phone, computer, nothing. Like that's why they put me in a dark room. They don't want any, as much len, light as possible.
0: And when did your parents get notified about this going on? And what were the reactions?
1: So they knew, they knew I was in and out of the hospital, but we told them I just got into a little football incident. I'll be okay. Um, I remember it was right before Rosh Hashanah, as I said. So like they, they were thinking about, you know, flying me home. I'll rest up there and then I'll come back. I was like, no, it'll kill the whole vibe. It'll kill my experience. I'm going to stay in Israel. Um, and then I wasn't really, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really cooperating with Yeshiva. They were like, don't go to davening on, don't go to prayer on the high holidays. Don't go to the meals. But of course I had to, I like tried to sneak out here and there. Cause like I had to daven on the high holidays. I had to pray. And then eventually my rabbis just sat in my room on the high holidays until I fell asleep. Like they sat on me so I wouldn't go anywhere. So it was like, it was very frustrating. I couldn't do anything. I'm used to being active. I'm used to playing sports. And then this one guy who, who I think is out to get me because of what he said and I can't uh-huh. go anywhere. and I'm in my room. I can't like someone has to watch me at all times. I felt very useless. Like I couldn't really do anything.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about let's go back to the hospital. You wake up in the hospital and was your face like I know I don't see any scars through the video, but you must have had bandages all over your face. How are you feeling? How was your mental state and who was around you when you woke up in the hospital?
1: So I when I, I was still very dizzy. So I don't remember exactly everything. I just remember that there were guys and girls from different yeshivas and seminaries coming to me. So like, I don't know how they all found out, but there were like people who brought me like teddy bears, chocolates, balloons, stuff like that. Oh. Like random people I've never met before in my life. Um, it was just very
0: weird. I got to ask you this one question, the rabbi and your, your, your super, I don't know, your, your madrichim and your professors that were with you in Israel that told you not to go. How did they show you support after this happened when they're like, I told you not to go? I'm curious to hear their reactions.
1: So they all had sim- a similar reaction. They were like, I don't know why, Shai. I hate you for this. But like, we really? love you. So we'll like take care of you. But don't oh. say I didn't tell you so. Don't say it. Like they all told me like, you're stupid. Come on. Are you kidding me? You learned your lesson. You better not do it again. But they were all there for me. It's not like they said, I told you not to. So I'm going to avoid you. Thank God I have a very good system behind me. All my friends, they made a WhatsApp group, they added me, called Operation Shy, where they were basically like, all my friends and every girl and guy from different yeshivas and seminaries, they all were in that chat. What does Shy need this day? What does Shy need that day? So it was like, great to see people who I didn't even know just come to the hospital, come to my dorm and just bring me stuff. And I just, I just, I wish I could have shown them the proper, like, Respect, And I f- wish I could have been in the right mind frame to really
0: mm-hmm.
1: show them my appreciation. If I could and remember everybody that was there, I would text them all and say, thank you so much. You have no idea what it means to me. I wouldn't be here without mm-hmm. them. Unfortunately, I don't remember 95% of the people who were there. I remember my magic Some girls and guys randomly text me now. Like yesterday, someone texted me. How are you feeling? Like, wow. Good. Like, I'm doing great. Thanks. Like uh-huh. he's like, I don't know if you remember. I was one of the girls who came to visit you. I went to Midmo, Majestha Moriah, another seminary. Uh-huh. She came to visit me and I don't remember. And I felt really bad. I felt really bad. And I like apologized, but I, I just feel bad. They showed me so much respect and I can't really pay it back because I don't know how Yeah, but
0: you were in you were in that state and they really, really wanted to help you. Your story is getting me emotional. I know that this probably is a lot to ask, but once the Arab was arrested. Um, did you ever go to his cell to confront him?
1: Personally, no. Because I had this, I was very scared. I was still in a vulnerable state for like months and months. Like this happened, I would say early September
0: mm-hmm.
1: or mid-September. And I was still vulnerable till April. Like there was a why. like I didn't want to see him. Like before bed, I had visions of like that guy's face, like, haunting me at night like I couldn't go to bed I just couldn't do anything so that that question actually never really came up but it wasn't like if someone brought it up I would be like nope I'll see you later like right nope. I don't know what happened right. to him.
0: but you I know mean, he's in jail hopefully he'll be in jail for life that's a terrible thing that he, he yeah. committed a terrorist attack I really want to know about how the Arabs reacted because terrorist attack go on with Israelis pretty often which is a terrible thing. But very, very rarely do you hear of an American child, an American boy going abroad and there being a terrorist attack towards an American. So how did the league um, treat this entire experience and tragedy that went on?
1: So they were all, all my Arab friends actually came to the hospital. They all visited me like we were close, like we had good relationships. Like a lot of them even said some things which I thought were incredible. I remember, I don't remember a lot. But I do remember them telling you, even though you're Jewish and even though we're not, we're still brothers. A lot of them said that to me. So I thought that was nice. And like people think, like Americans who live in America, we're like, oh, all Arabs are bad. Most Arabs are not bad. You just hear about the Arabs that are bad. A lot of Arabs are there. They want peace. They don't want to fight. But you just hear, unfortunately, they're like this guy. There are ones who are out to get us. But a lot of Arabs, they like us. They're fond of us. They don't want anything to happen to us. They want us to live happily they want to live happily like they're not out to get us um so that's obviously one message i took away from it Mm -hmm. Um, and something i like when i tell the story i don't tell it often and i miss a lot of points usually on purpose but when i do bring this up i do tell people to realize that to not classify all arabs as bad because they're not most of them are actually incredible people and they deserve the best there are just some who are out to get us
0: how have you regained your health and your physical health your mental health after this experience, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're probably still going through, um, you know, getting getting better, like the growing process.
1: Yeah. So it did take some time. I'm still not fully through it. Um, Thank God I'm I'm actually in this football league now and I, we're like the only Jewish team. Like we come with Keepas and we're playing with people who are not so Jewish or not Jewish uh-huh. at all. And we play with them. So people ask me, like, how how are you still playing football? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you not retire? Um, And I'll get to that soon. But I'm, I'm in this football league. Um, it's helping me. There, people are telling me you should play football. Um, don't play tackle football, but this is a flag football league, just like the one I started off with the first year and beginning of second year. Um, and it, it is a progress. It's a process, mm-hmm. and I'm getting somewhere. So I'm, it's, a, it's a slow process, especially when you still – I still feel like this guy's haunting me sometimes. Like I'm walking in New York by Yeshiva University, and then, mm-hmm. like, sometimes I do like, look around to make sure everything's good. Cause he's still in my head. Like I said, I unfortunately still know what he looks like and the face he gave me before that play.
0: Do you, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's still recent. It's just been about a year since this happened. So it's still very recent in your, you know, in your mental state and your, and your health, but how have you gotten through it in Israel? Like you didn't want to just say, okay, let me just go home. Like what, why did you have to stay in Israel? Why didn't you just say I'm packing up my bags and I'm leaving and I'm going home and I'm being with my family.
1: Well, I'm I'm a fighter. Like I don't want to go out without a fight. I just felt like it would kill the whole experience for me to come back for like months at a time and then go back to Israel for a couple months and come back. I just mm-hmm. felt like it would kill the vibe and the energy. Figured I'd rest up here and then right when I'm ready, I could get back into it. I don't need to worry about booking a flight, getting to Israel. Uh, plus, it, it's not even good. It wasn't even good for me to fly. Like it wasn't appropriate for me to fly with everything that was going on. So that was also another part. That's the that's the reason I gave, you know, because it worked perfectly. Like I don't want to um, go back. I'm like I can't go on a plane. I can't go on a plane.
0: All right. But <laughs>
1: um. So yeah, I can't really complain. I didn't want to go back. I was there with my friends. I had a great support system. Mm-hmm. To this day, my parents don't really know what happened. Like, well, they will
0: once uh, once this this episode comes out.
1: And I will tell them before then. I will tell them my. I did write a paper about this for class. Of course, I got an A because, like, he feels bad for me. But um, I want to show them the paper just so they could, like – I don't want them to watch this first. I want them to, like, see it my own words and, like, you know, different terminology. Right. So I'm gonna What see do you what think their the
0: reaction to- is going to be when you tell them what really happens?
1: Well, I'm hoping their reaction isn't to quit the football league in Clifton, New Jersey. I hope that's mm-hmm. not the reaction. I think they're going to be like, wow, like, I don't even – I don't even know what they would say or how they would feel. I just, I just know they're going to be like, why don't you tell us? They'll probably be a little upset and frustrated mm-hmm. that I didn't tell them what was going on, and they, they had the right to know, and they should have known. Mm-hmm. I understand where they're coming from, so I'm not going to say, well, I'm not going to come up with excuses. That I knew we should have told them. I'm just glad we didn't tell them. Uh, but that's probably going to be their reaction, frustration. They'll maybe be a little angry. Uh, maybe they'll watch me a little more closely now. But Mm -hmm. that I'm not worried about because I'm like 99% there mentally. So
0: So I want to talk about where you are right now. But before we get there, I do want to talk about it happened in September. And how long was the process of physical recovery, getting out of bed, being able to walk again and go to, you know, your regular classes and hang out with your friends on a normal basis without lying in bed and, and being treated?
1: So it did take me months. It took me until February, March. I remember people were reaching out. Like, it was just like incredible. Uh And I I don't like, I hate when people like pray for me or daven for me. Like, I feel like I have such a disability when people do that. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I never gave my name out. If people got my name, it was from someone else. I never gave my name out because I didn't, people need it more than I do. People are like, have a brain tumor, God forbid, and cancer and stuff like that. So people need their prayers more than I do. Like, I will get there. Some people aren't. So it's not so promising for everybody. So I was like, daven for them, pray for them. Leave me alone. I'll be fine. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now at this point. And that's just that was my reaction. Uh, but it took me, I want to say, until February, March to really get with it. They let me out January, but I didn't really feel like I was in good shape really until March. And I was scared mm-hmm. to play any sports until March.
0: And then COVID hit. So when did you have to come back because of COVID?
1: So the holiday at Purim was March 12th, I believe. And Mm -hmm. I went back like the following day, like a day before it all went crazy. Like I was in Russia for like a 15 hour layover and I was just chilling in Russia.
0: Uh, Uh But I got back to
1: the U.S. before the crowds. I made it back here. And thank Mm -hmm. God it wasn't a problem for me. I got back.
0: So in your second year, when you first went to Israel, everything started off well. And then you went into your, your league. So from really the incident, you really were in recovery until you went home. The whole time, your second year, you were basically in recovery.
1: Yes. But I was eventually like two, three months after I was on bed rest, I was able to move around a lot more. So Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was in recovery. It's just the, the recovery part for me was in bed rest when I couldn't, when they wouldn't let me leave, they wouldn't let me go anywhere. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I've always been independent. I've always wanted to do things. Yes. I love being with people, but I also love doing my own thing. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to have to go to the bathroom with somebody. Like I felt like that was weird. So I just thought that was a little, was a little odd and frustrating um, I wanted to get my own food. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be able to like text people. I just couldn't because they would take away my phone. They would take away all these chances. So that, that was just very frustrating the first two months after the incident.
0: And did you go through therapy in Israel or this was physically you were trying to get better without mental, mental health at, the, at that moment?
1: So when I was able to move, there, were, there was this therapist in Beit Shemesh they wanted me to see. Um, mm-hmm. I went to him maybe three times um to me the whole thing was like frustrating he didn't really help in my opinion maybe he did i don't know but i went three times it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea i think therapists are great i didn't think i specifically needed one mm-hmm. um so i just stopped going i don't think it was like it wasn't like the biggest part or it wasn't like the biggest deal like it was annoying like to get to Beit shemesh you had to take one bus to get to the takanamir kazi the central station then one mm-hmm. to Beit shemesh and then back like it was just a hassle that was the most right. frustrating part about it. But I, I did it. I had to do it. I went through it. And thank God.
0: And you traveled there alone?
1: I traveled there alone. This was at, this was like January, I want to say, February.
0: And how was that when you first started traveling alone again? How were you feeling?
1: I was feeling good. I was still, that's when I was a little more antsy. Right when I was getting on the buses for the first time after the incident, that's when mm-hmm. I was like looking like all around me to make sure nobody was like out to get me. And then my friend saw me. Like, my friends all knew what was going on. So, mm-hmm. like, they, were, they would not let me sit on the outside. They, like, they zoned me into this corner, into this box, because they were, like, no one's getting to you. No one's, like, which is <laughs> nice and sweet, but. Um, so, I was always, like, antsy.
0: That's really nice. and I said, how is it right now? Is it therapeutic to talk to me about your experiences? How are you feeling now?
1: So, they t- first gave me permission to really tell the story last week. Because they were, like, because you first of all my yeshiva didn't want anyone knowing about it they didn't they didn't want to be known as that yeshiva and i didn't want to be known as that kid um and i understood where they were coming from i i don't want to be like pointed out oh like that's the kid who almost like died like i don't want to be that kid i want to be known for better things you know um <laughs> so this it worked out like i didn't tell anybody i wasn't going to go to like any like official government official i wasn't going to tell the u.s Obviously, U.S. people and officials found out about it, and they reached out to me. Uh, How did they find
0: out? How did the U.S. find out? Just from word of mouth?
1: I don't really know, honestly. They just reached out to me. That didn't really cross my mind. I was more, like, shocked, like, when these, like, companies and news, like, people, and they just reached out to me. I was like, all right, cool. Like, they wanted to, like, interview me. I was like, well, I didn't want to be interviewed. Like, I didn't want to be known, once again, as that kid. So, it's, it's taken some time to really get used to it.
0: I think it's very important to share your story because this story yeah, went on. It's over. It's been over a year and I understand you weren't in the state to say it, but this is your story. At the end of the day, it's not your yeshiva story. It's not your school where you went to story. It's not Israel's story. This is your story. This is your life. This happened to you and it's up to you. I think it's important to share, but it's up to you if you decide that you want to share your story because it's a big yeah. deal that, that you went to Israel. You were supposed to be protected and an American kid was you were in a terrorist attack that was focused on you. The everybody else was Arab, and the guy came at you. He charged at you. That's not that's not just a, a normal thing that goes on on a regular day to day.
1: It's not. It's not, and it was scary. Like it's still pretty scary. Um, they wanted me to tell people. They wanted me to like talk to people. They finally diagnosed me actually last week with PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's not like a major. It's just like a minor part of it. They're like, you have it. We give you medicine, you'll be fine. Because it's not like I'm reacting in public. Like, if you see me in public, I'm not going to jump up. I'm not going to be like, hi, y'all. Like, I'm not going to try and do Kung Fu Panda on you. Um, <laughs> sometimes, like, I can't go to sleep because this guy's, like, in my head. And I feel like he's going to come to New York. He'll, he's going to bang on my dorm room any second. And he's going to, like, attack me. Sometimes I have that feeling. I know mm-hmm. it's not really going to happen especially since the guy doesn't know English. He's not coming to America. They wouldn't let him in. But um, that's just like something you think about when you go through this, that guy's like in your head. I'm hoping and praying one day that is, I forget what he looks like. It'll Mm -hmm. make it a lot easier. But for now, for the time being, you got to do what you got to do. So like I have medicine to like try and black out that person. But, you know, medicine can only do so much.
0: If your parents don't know exactly what happened to you, are they wondering why you're on medication for PTSD? They don't know. They don't know you're on medication
1: No, because you see university, they have a incredible counseling center where they're not legally allowed to tell anybody unless you give them permission, especially since I'm 21. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an adult, so they can't. And they could order unless I'm like in danger or like on suicide, God forbid, or I like could harm others. They can't mm-hmm. legally tell anybody. So I just think why are you
0: right? Why are you hiding this from your parents?
1: So not like I'm high. I just don't want them to be scared. I'm, I just don't want them to think I can't do well in college, because thank God right now I'm doing very well in YU. I just don't want them to think that maybe I should take a break from college. I should, because I want to be productive and it's my time for me to, you know, go to my next chapter of life, which is college and beyond. Um, that's why I don't want them to really, God forbid, think that I'm not in the state to really learn and to really take college, like, you know, really intense college courses.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know people, what they say about medication, some are very pro medication. Some people are anti-medication. When you went to your Y, you know, in your Yeshiva University and they gave you this medication, what are your thoughts? You right away said, okay, I'm going to take it. Did you think about it if you actually wanted to take it or it was just a done deal?
1: Well, I would, to me, it's not the biggest deal. I could do it, but it's not like out of the way. I'll go to Rite Aid, which was right around the corner. I'll pick it up. It's free. Like my Aetna covers it. So I don't need to worry about it. And they wanted me to take it and they suggested it. I talked to like a, a professional, a doctor, and he just told me that he thinks it'll work. So it can't hurt. It's like a five minute walk. Then I'll get it, come back. I'll take it when I like have breakfast in the morning. And like, that'll be it. Like I take it once a day for a couple of months and I'll, that's it. And see if, if it works great. If it doesn't, okay. Like it's not, it doesn't take so much effort to really do.
0: Right. It's not really effort, but it's about putting the pill in your body. So you're going to a consistent counseling right now through YU.
1: No, I met with this guy, what tw- this um, doctor twice. Um, he's great. We talked it out. Um, but I, I don't really talk to him every week. Like, I don't know when I'll talk to him again. He said, we'll reach out in like two months. I don't know if that'll actually happen
0: though.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I prob- I'll probably reach out to him because he asked me to and we'll like catch up. But yeah. like regarding medicine, it does depend on what it is. Like some medicines I would definitely recommend. Like mm-hmm. If you have a headache, take medicine. Like I'm for medicine. I'm not against medicine at all. If doctors say this medicine's good for A, B, and C, if you have mm-hmm. symptoms for A, B, and C, I'll recommend taking the medicine. It's like they just think, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Just take that. Then I'll be like a little more skeptical. I'll get a second opinion, mm-hmm. and I'll go from there. So it just really depends on the medicine. But this I definitely, I'm definitely taking.
0: And do you feel it's helping you?
1: It, I just started, so it's. I would say it's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it could potentially help me. I mean, he knows more than I do. I don't know how long it takes, really, for it to sink right. in. But I've been going to sleep pretty well. I haven't been thinking about this this um, person in a while. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, so I guess it is working. There you go. I think, I guess it is working.
0: That's, that's good to hear. Good to hear. And are you, let's say somebody would say, I have a ticket for you right now. Get on a plane, go to Israel. What are your thoughts about going back to Israel?
1: So I get that question a lot, especially for my friends who experienced it with me. I would definitely go because I, even though I, I am fearful sometimes and I am living somewhat in fear. Um, you got to live life. Like I'm not going to, who's going to win? Is this Arab going to win or am I going to win? Like, is he going to stop me from living life or am I going to continue living life? And if I plan on going to Israel, which I do in January, I may not be the COVID, but originally I did plan on going in January. Uh, I would go. Like I would go, my um, friends who would go with me, I wouldn't be alone. I would never be alone. Um, I would Mm -hmm. visit like Mivaseret, where I went for the two years. Uh, I'm not going to visit the cell. So that's like, I'm not going to visit him. I'm not going to visit the football league. I'm just going to go visit my friends, Professor Drabayim in Mivaseret. I mean, we'll go from there. So I would definitely say, if you get me a ticket, I will definitely be on my way.
0: So you wouldn't be nervous?
1: Meaning, I would be a little nervous, but it it wouldn't stop me. It wouldn't be enough nerve to really stop me from going.
0: Right. And has there been any Arabs who have reached out to you recently? to either apologize for what happened or to find out how you're doing
1: no, i don't think they have my american number because i had an israeli number in Israel. i had my american whatsapp but they didn't really whatsapp me we didn't have like whatsapp chats in mm-hmm. that league um so i don't really think they have my number but once again when they went to the hospital they were all so like they were apologizing they were like we're all brothers like we're in this together he doesn't right. classify Arabs. We still love you. We'll, we will always love you. If you ever need a place to stay when you come here again, like let us know. So they're like nice and they're comforting. And they have definitely apologized recently mm-hmm. that I, don't, I, I haven't been in touch with them because obviously I'm in America. They're in Israel. They don't know much English. Uh, right. It's broken. But yeah.
0: So they really wanted you on your team. When you were starting to tell me the story, I thought like it was a setup. These teammates, you know, they were going to hurt you and, and whatnot. But it was because you're playing in the league. And they mentioned it to somebody else on a different team. That's really what happened. Now, I do want to ask you this. You said that you, you know, you were out cold for like four to six minutes. What went on during that time?
1: So during that time, there were fights. Um, There was the cops came, ambulance came. um, Every like there was a lot of like a lot of everything going on. They called off the game like the game didn't finish. We were up 14-7. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. I don't really know what happened to that team, that league. I don't really know what happened. Um, but so there was a fight of the parents were involved, like a lot of people looking over me. So even though most of them weren't Jewish, like they were there, they were still nice individuals. They were still nice people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, during that, I, I wish I could tell you more. I just don't, uh, from what I have heard from others, that's exactly what happened. I do remember some screaming right when I woke up, some screaming and punching. And like, it was all in, a lot of it was in Arabic and Hebrew. So I didn't really understand it, but there were some American English speakers. Mm-hmm. So that definitely helped and that was the only thing obviously I could really understand.
0: I can't believe you never shared this story before and I'm so fortunate I get to share your story for the first time ever on my platform. Is there anything before we go that you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: So yeah, I would definitely say don't judge a book by its cover. A lot of Arabs, they're not bad and we all have we all know people in our lives we're not so fond of, like that's just life. Um, But don't judge them because we all have things going on. Uh, Most of the people, if you look at me, you wouldn't know that I was going through this. Like you never know who someone is. And if someone classifies themselves as an Arab or as an American or as anything, don't judge them. Get to know them first, because most likely the chances of them being good people are very high. So don't judge a book by its cover. All Arabs are not bad. Most Arabs are actually great, incredible people and they deserve the best. Um, But there are obviously exceptions. you got to be careful. Obviously, don't do anything like myself. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, (laughs) But definitely don't be judgmental. Love. Just show love. Don't spread hate. Spread love. That's all I would have to
0: say. I do have one more question, which I really wanted to ask you, and I forgot. How did the Israeli government react to this when it happened? They must have found out.
1: They did find out. Bibi didn't reach out to me. I didn't have contact with Bibi. Really? Uh, I don't know if he found out about it. I wasn't really in the state. I don't know. He probably did. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I heard some, I got a call like in the hospital periodically with some of the officials. I didn't speak to a lot of them. Um, my majichim and my advisors did only because I just wasn't in the state to really mm-hmm. talk it out. But they did reach out, see how we're doing. Um, if they need anything, just give them a call and they'll make it happen. So they were very like supportive, loving. I really appreciate it. Um, did we end up using them? Did anything come of it? No, not really. Um so they they did call, but they didn't really nothing really much happened after that.
0: For the first time ever, shy told his story about how he was attacked for being Jewish while he was studying abroad in Israel. He is an American boy from tina, New Jersey, and he just shared his story right here on Hebrew Hits. This is the 37th episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia. If you liked what you just heard, please go follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hebrew underscore Hits. We are now available on YouTube. Go follow us on Hebrew Hits Radio, and please go subscribe and give us a good rating on all of your favorite streaming apps. Shy, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they contact you?
1: You could, I mean, I don't know if you're giving them my number, or you can give them my number, 2019620379. Or you could Instagram message me, shairose99, Rose 99s hairose 99. I'd love to hear. I don't know if you guys have similar situations or experiences or you just want to talk. I'm here for you. Um, I may not know you personally, but that's okay. Because even if you're Jewish, even if you're not Jewish, you're probably an incredible person. So thank you, Malia for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great.
0: Thank you so much, Shai. It's a pleasure. Again, you're listening to Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia. We'll be back next week, same time, same place.